Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast Podcast. Thank you for joining us for our summer series titled, When God's People Pray. Being consistent in prayer is a struggle for many believers, yet the Bible makes it clear that the church should be called a house of prayer. Jesus promises to do a powerful work in and through us if we would simply humble ourselves and seek his face. That's what this series is all about. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. I'm blessed to be here with you all. Um, over the past couple weeks, we've been going over the topic of prayer, which has been really awesome. It's been really good for me personally. It's been challenging for me personally. I'm going to be honest, when I was in, the, we all met together, all the people who are going to be speaking for this series, and we're talking about prayer. I'm like, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The discipline of prayer is probably one of the weakest areas in my whole life. And I'm like, I don't even really feel qualified to teach on this. But like, you know, this is the thing that the Lord is working in my heart. So know that tonight as we're talking about this. I'm here with you trying to learn these things. Everything I've said tonight, I have not mastered in the slightest. Some of it I'm terrible at. But by God's grace, I'm here. And I pray I can point you to Jesus who's able to help us to do these things. But in the first week, Pastor Ryan taught. And he taught on the importance of prayer and how at its core, prayer is about connecting us intimately with the heart of God. That's the goal. And so unless we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and by his personal empowering presence in the Holy Spirit, we really can't do anything. Like when Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing, he actually means that. You literally can do nothing of value. And so we're like dead men walking. He talked about that passage in Ezekiel where the people are brought to life, but they're not real living beings until the Holy Spirit comes and fills them. And then the following week, Mike Terrell, Mike, Mike Terrell, Mike Carroll taught, sorry guys, Mike Carroll, he taught through Jesus' model prayer in Matthew 6, and he emphasized the relationship that we have with God as our Father, specifically that he's waiting for us, it was such a good image, it was so good, that he's waiting for us in the secret place so that he can love us and guide us and minister to us in a personal way that no one else can. Like that is, if that doesn't excite you to pray, I don't know what will. It's like, man, the Father is, wants to meet with you. God doesn't, is not like, I don't know, sitting with his arms crossed, like, oh, I guess he'll come to me eventually. He is dying to be with you. In the literal sense, Jesus came and died so that he could be with you. So that was the awesome image that Mike gave. It's so good. And then last week, Pastor Kevin, he taught on the power of prayer. And he showed us that prayer, it really it promotes humility in us. And that by showing us who God really is when we spend time with him, and then by contrast, who we really are. But also at the same time, when you spend time with the Lord, you also get to know who he's made you to be in Christ. And so not only are you like, yeah, I'm a dirtbag, I'm a sinner. It's like, well, now you're not anymore because now you're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And so like, it gives you the proper perspective that you need. And then it's when you get that proper perspective that your priorities shift. And so now I'm not living for Liam anymore. I'm living for Jesus now. And so that's what prayer does, and then you act those things out in your lives. But I think in a series like this, especially for me, because I'm a big perfectionist and kind of a, I bend towards legalism sometimes, it gets really easy for me to miss the point of the whole thing. Like we're here, we're talking about a spiritual discipline like prayer, and it becomes really easy because we're talking about how it should be a key part of our lives and like what it should look like in our lives and how we should pray, it really becomes easy to look at it as a way that I earn God's love and favor for me. It's like, oh, okay, well, if we're talking about the things I should do and how I should pray, then I guess I have to pray for this amount of time. And if I just pray long enough and I pray often enough and I pray hard enough, whatever that means, and I sound wise enough when I pray, then maybe God will be happy with me. 
and maybe if I do that right, then maybe he'll finally hear my prayers, and maybe he'll answer, and maybe he'll care about me, which is so not the case. I hope you know that. Like, God doesn't need to earn, we don't need to earn God's favor like that. In fact, we never could, because it's not our job to impress God, and we just don't have the ability to impress God like that. In Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah writes that all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. Like, that's all we have to bring. There's a pastor around here, his name is Josh White, and he is at Door of Hope Church, and he often says in his messages, he says, the only thing you contribute to the gospel is your sin. And I'm like, that's so good, because in reality, the only thing we can bring to Jesus is, listen, I need you. I have nothing to bring. I just, I need your grace and I need your mercy. And so then that brings us to the question, like, well, what does God want from us? And really, it's simple. He wants our hearts. That's what he's after in prayer. He wants our hearts. He wants to change our heart to be humble and ready to obey him when he asks. And so tonight, I want to talk about obedience in prayer. And obedience is kind of a scary word in the church. We don't talk about it a lot. It kind of sounds harsh and mean, like, oh man, God's telling me what to do. Like, we like to talk about God's grace and his love and his mercy, but obedience, that's not something that we talk about as much. But obedience is a core part of the believer's life, at least it should be. And not only that, it's a blessing to our lives. It's a gift. And so I pray I get to show you a little bit of that tonight. And I can't really think of a verse that states God's heart for obedience better than 1 Samuel 15. In 1 Samuel 15, 22-23, the prophet Samuel, he's speaking to Saul, who at this point is just a complete jackal of a king, and he's totally disobedient to the Lord. And he says this to him. He says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, this is super key, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Harsh words from Samuel, and he means them. Because simple obedience, really, it's the fruit that God is seeking out of our prayer time. Like when we're spending time with him, it should be the natural thing that follows, is that we're obedient to the Lord. And like, yes, I would totally always, I was just telling the high schoolers this a couple weeks ago, I would always encourage you to sacrifice to the Lord. I think that's a good thing, to sacrifice your time and your money and your effort and your talent to the Lord. That's a good thing to do. You should do that. But more important than that is simply doing what the Lord's asked you to do. Like that is the most important thing you could find in your life. So my prayer is that we're intimate enough with Jesus by spending time with him in prayer that when he asks us to do something, that we'll do it. (laughs) Like when he asks you to do something, he actually wants you to do it. That's why God is asking from us. He doesn't ask us all to be missionaries in China. He doesn't ask us all to live really radical lives and sell all of our stuff and go die as a martyr somewhere. But what he does ask of each and every single believer is that we obey when he asks us to do something. That's his command for us. And really, it's the attitude of obedience that's ready and willing to do that that marks someone who's after God's own heart. That's what makes them that way. I think it's the lesson that David learned when the, actually in the psalm that Josh just quoted a little bit ago is perfect. In Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, he says this, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. And so David, he really learned the lesson. This is after his worst sin of his life, basically, adultery slash murder, low moment in his life. He learned that what the Lord is really after in his life 
even though he was still sacrificing and doing those things while the unconfessed sin was there, what the Lord was really after was his heart, a heart that was ready just to do what God had asked him to do. So if obedience is what God desires in our lives, then how do we become more obedient? That's the question. It's like, okay, well, how do I do that? That's the question that's been on my mind. If you ask any of my mentors, they will tell you. That's the question that's been on my mind for the past, like, three years. When I got here on staff, I was 19 years old, and I had no idea what I was doing at all. I'm like, now I have to figure out where I'm going to live and how to pay rent, and what is my career going to look like, and am I going to get married someday, and if so, when, and if so, to who, then what do all those things look like, and how soon do I have to decide these things? Any of the pastors on staff will tell you that I probably like bugged them to death with all these questions. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I began, I'm like, I basically, I came to this conclusion that I need severe help. <laughs> I'm like, I need help from outside of myself because I can't do this. And so I began this process. I'm like, okay, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, God, I'm asking for your help because really when you move out in your young adult years, it's like for the first time your parents aren't there and you're like, they don't get to, I remember this moment, my parents dropped me off here and when I came on staff here and then they drove away home and I'm like, oh my gosh, no one tells me what to do anymore. I'm like, what should I do? Should I go get the oil changed in my car? I don't know what's next. Like, what am I supposed to do? And so I'm spinning and I'm like, I don't know what. But what really began was the process of, okay, how do I seek what God wants for my life, and how do I be obedient to that? Um, I am in by no means perfect at this. I'm still struggling with that. These are still questions I wrestle with today. Um, but the one reality I realize is that I am unable to make myself obedient on my own. I cannot beat myself into submission and just be a more obedient Christian because I will it to happen because I don't have that much willpower, and I'm a weak man. And so, really, I need Jesus to do that. Because in our flesh, we can't just make ourselves better Christians. If that were the case, we would all be a lot better people, but we're sinners, and so here we are. But the work of the Lord, what's awesome is that he starts the work not on the outside by changing our behavior first. He actually does the work first and foremost in our hearts. And so that's why in Philippians 2.13, Paul says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He does both. He works in you to want what he wants, and then you'll naturally do those things because he's empowering you to do them. And so really, when we're talking about obedience in prayer, we have to begin our prayers for our obedience by praying for humility, first and foremost. Because we have to come to the Lord in honesty and say, Father, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> and I know that you do. And so I'm coming to you as the one who has all the answers in my life, and I'm coming to you as the person who has none. Because it's really, it's an admission of the truth. It's, that's how things really are. That's what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 55. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And the sooner we can learn that, the sooner you can understand that the Lord's ways are literally always better than yours, like, your Christian walk will be so much easier. It will not be easy but it will be a lot simpler when it comes to, do I obey the Lord or do I obey me? You always obey the Lord because he knows and you don't. Like, you're thick-headed and he's not. It's like, that's just how it is. But once the Lord begins working that humility in our hearts, the question then remains, okay, well, how do I figure out what he wants? Because I'm ready to listen and I'm ready to hear, but how do I figure out what the Lord's will is for me? 
This has also been a question of mine over the past couple of years. Like, okay, how do I figure out what the Lord wants me to do? Um, for a long time, I didn't really know what to look for. I'm like, am I waiting for the sky to crack open and like God to shout from the sky whom I'm going to marry or what my career is going to look like or where I'm going to live? Um, or do I just kind of have to like hope for the best and guess and pray that I found the will of the Lord and maybe I'll be okay? Because I don't know about you guys, and this is kind of sad to admit for me, I don't know if I've ever once heard the audible voice of God speak to me out loud. If you have, that's awesome. I'm really happy for you. Like, that is great. Like, praise the Lord. And I'm not joking when I say that. I mean that seriously. I'm like, praise the Lord that he speaks to you in such a clear way. Maybe I just can't hear it or the Lord needs some other way to communicate to me because I've never heard that. And for a long time, what it led to is I questioned every single decision I made. Every single time I was paranoid and panicked that maybe I wasn't right in the will of the Lord and that maybe I wouldn't figure it out and that I don't know, I would just, I would mess everything up. But that's not how God wants me to live, and he doesn't want me to be panicked. And Paul is very clear to Timothy, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what the Lord wants from me. I remember a couple years ago, this is right after I got on staff, I was talking to Pastor Kevin, we were eating Chipotle in the front office, and I was like, Kevin, I don't really know what I'm doing. I was talking his ear off again. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing in life, and I was terrified to make any step because I was worried that if I took a step, that it'd be out of the will of the Lord and I'd be in sin and that I'd just be smote by God or something. And so he was very encouraging and gracious. And he said, Liam, you know, the Lord, he promises to work together everything for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is a promise in scripture. So if you move forward in faith, even if you mess up, he'll still use that for his grace and his mercy. But then this is what really stuck out to me. He said, but if you're fearful and you refuse to move, you may not see the good that God has for your life. And it stuck with me. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's not what I want my life to be. I don't want to be so scared of what the Lord would have me do and that I might mess up, that I don't do anything. And then the Lord, nothing happens with my life. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. That's the last thing I want. A story my uncle always told me um, is when right before he started to do his missions work, he's in Uganda now, and the Lord's done amazing things there. But this was back in like 2006, 2007. He was talking to Pastor Doug about all the things he wanted to do and what the Lord was putting on his heart. And I think he was wrestling through a lot of doubt. And Pastor Doug, he looked at him and he said, what are you going to do, Bill? Are you going to be 70 years old, sitting on your porch in a rocking chair, saying, I wonder what God would have done if I had actually obeyed him? And Bill was shocked and like, I can't do that. And now when I look at his life, I'm like, praise the Lord he didn't do that. My testimony has been severely shaped because he was obedient. And so when I look at what the God's doing in Uganda, like that's an amazing thing. And so that's a promise of the Lord. And a verse that the Lord's really used to minister to me in this area is 2 Peter. Kevin talked about it last week, but 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Did you guys know that God actually wants to speak to you? Like he actually wants to talk to you? It's like what Mike said, like God actually wants to talk to you. He doesn't demand you to be holy on your own. It's like, see you later. It's like, no, he wants to meet you there as a father, not just as a high and mighty God, as a father who loves you, and he wants to guide you and give you the power to do those things he's asking you to do. And we receive all those things 
just by knowing our Father in heaven. That's what Peter's saying here, is by intimate relationship with him, I have that now. Through intimacy with the Lord in prayer, I can receive God's promises as mine. And what Peter's saying here is that everything I could ever possibly need to live a godly life is already mine. It's been given to me by Jesus. When he died on the cross, he secured that promise for me. And now I get to just claim it as mine because of the merits of Jesus. I'm the last person who will ever tell you to name it and claim it. But if you're going to name and claim anything in your life, the promises of God, that's what you can name and claim. Like, those are yours. Jesus died to secure those for you. Like, take them. And so what we really need to be asking for in our prayers then, because they've already been given to us, is like, we need to be asking the Lord for wisdom. Like, I should be seeking God with the heart that says, God, show me how to best represent you to others. I want to live my life in a way that you are glorified and I decrease and you increase, but I don't know how to do that. And so I want you to show me. And then here's the key. When you ask those things, when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want wisdom, you have to expect him to actually give it to you. You have to trust that he's going to. Why? Because he promised that he would and God keeps his promises. In James 1, 5 through 8, it says this, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That seems to describe me as a 19-year-old. <laughs> unstable in all my ways. Like, I wanted to serve Jesus, but I had so much fear and doubt that God wouldn't come through for me that I was just rocked every single day. And I still struggle with that. I still am up and down, but I think the Lord is teaching me to not be that way. Because slowly I'm realizing that maybe God, this God showing up for me every time I need him is actually a pattern. And that maybe he'll keep doing that. I'm like, oh, he, like, he keeps doing that. Okay. But... But when we seek the Lord for wisdom with a heart that genuinely wants to follow God, we can be certain that he's going to give wisdom to us. It's a guarantee. You can take it to the bank. It's true. Because we can approach the Lord with confident assurance that he is who he says he is. And so he's promised to lead us if we would only let him. God wants to guide you and to, for you to obey him even more than you want that. So if you come to him, he's like, perfect. This is awesome. This is exactly what I want. And I will give you wisdom and I will guide you. And in your times of prayer, he's going to direct you where you need to go and tell you what you need to do. It might not always be right when you want it. It might come late or in a different form than you want it, but he will always provide it right when you need it. And so whether that be through the word of God, through advice and counsel of others, or even if the Holy Spirit leads you inwardly, like God's going to do that. That's what he does. And then finally, once the Lord's made it clear to us that we're, what we're supposed to do we can, and actually we must, to not do it would be sin. We have to obey those things in faith, trusting that the Lord has spoken the truth to us. And that's the challenging part, because really what it is, is you're acting as if the things that God says are true. Even if you don't feel that they're true, you're acting as though they are, because they are. <laughs> I've experienced this firsthand, because as a lot of you guys probably know, um, it was announced on Sunday, and uh, at the end of next month, I'll be stepping into the youth ministry director role, which I'm really excited about, um, I had a lot of prayer that was involved in that decision because when the first job was first brought to me, I prayed on it, I read the word, and I sought wise counsel from my mentors. And eventually I settled in my heart, okay, this is what God wants me to do through those things. Um, and I decided to take the position. But even after I made that choice, it's not like there wasn't fear anymore. 
It's not like it was immediately like, oh, well, now it's great, and Liam feels 100% confident that he's going to do great. Like, there are all sorts of fears I'm facing even right now. Like, am I the right person for this job? Like, did I hear from the Lord correctly? Was there something I missed? Or what if I totally fail at this? Was the Lord in this? And to be honest, those fears continue because the enemy hits me with those doubts and fears on like a daily basis. And so at those moments, I have to make a choice. I have to say, okay, Lord, I sought you and I want to love you in my heart. I know that's true. And I sought wise counsel and I prayed on it. And this is the decision I've made. And you promised me that you're faithful. And so I'm going to walk in confidence because this is what you've asked me to do. And so I can't... (laughs) You know, I mean, I do often, but I do not want to let the enemy win, you know? I don't want to let his fears and doubts get me down to the point where I can't obey the Lord anymore. And so this is why we walk by faith. That's what that looks like, because despite what our feelings tell us and what other people think of us and what the enemy brings against you and what even you may think of you, it's like we can walk in confidence that God's with us, because that's what he said. And that's the blessing of obedience. That's why I think it should stop being viewed kind of as this intense word. And it's like this joyful word of like, I get to obey the best king that I could ever ask for. I was reading, we've read it a couple times as a staff now, On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wiersbe. And he said this crazy statement that blew me away the first time I read it, which is said, he said, in my experience, I found that the Lord is actually easier to please than most people. And I'm like, what? That can't be true, right? And he's like, no one in my life is more gracious to me and loving to me and forgiving of me than the Lord, ever. People are petty and they have opinions about you and I have my own opinions and people are jaded. The Lord is not that way. He doesn't love me like I love other people. He loves me perfectly. And so I can trust him that he's got me. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is We're usually pretty good at that, but then the next part, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's like, man, I have to believe that God actually wants to reward me for seeking him, you know? And God really does do that. And that's the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that he promises to show us grace and mercy as we seek him. And so God doesn't ask us to be perfect. I hope you guys know that. Because you couldn't be, even if you wanted to be. Eventually, you will be someday when Jesus finishes that sanctifying work in you. Praise be to Jesus. But right now, you're not. Right now we have our flesh and we struggle with that. He doesn't ask us to be the wisest people on earth or the strongest people. He asks us just to be willing to follow him and obey him. That's it. Just are you going to do what I tell you to do? In trust, like Josh said, not of who you are, but in who I am as God. And so he'll work everything else out. If you just obey him and follow him, he will work all the details out. And what's awesome is that when we obey the Lord, like we're actually the ones that are blessed by our obedience to the Lord. Like God's ways are, I said this earlier, they're literally always better than yours. Anything you have an idea of, like, oh man, my life would be really cool if it was this way, like the Lord's way is actually better. I think of what Paul writes in Ephesians 3, that God is able to do infinitely more abundantly than all that we ask or think. That's the God that we serve. That's what he wants to do in our lives. And so I would rather entrust my life to him instead of me, who will probably mess it up. And so... God, though, he's so gracious and so loving, and he works all those things together for his glory and our good. Somehow, in the greatest miracle that I've ever seen, every single mistake I've ever made and every foolish thing I will do in the future is worked together into this plan that glorifies God and transforms me into the image of Christ. Like, that is, that is miraculous. That is unbelievable. And so my encouragement for you guys tonight 
um, is that if you have something on your mind or your heart that's like the Lord's been telling you to do something and you've been wrestling with it, like, you don't have to do that. And I don't say that because I don't understand. I very, very much do because my flesh never wants the things of God. And so that's what we all wrestle with. But you don't have to do that because there's no reason to wait. There's no reason to not do because the Lord only does good things. That's all he ever asks you to do. He asks you to do hard things and challenging things, and many of them will hurt you temporarily, but they will make you a better person and they will make your life better every single time. I firmly believe that. There is no greater joy and peace than serving the Lord. And so obey God. Like, he wants to make your life right, and we're the ones kicking and screaming, fighting against a father who wants to make our lives better. And so I promise you that the Lord will meet you there. And so as we head into our time of prayer, I'm actually going to ask the pastors and the elders to come forward, if you can, um, kind of on this side of the room and here on the steps here in a minute. But if you have something that the Lord has spoken to you um, that you know you need to do, like, come and talk to one of the elders or the pastors about it. And that's not to, like, to shame or to do anything like that. It's to encourage you and to spur you on to do the things that the Lord wants you to do. Like, we want nothing more than to see everyone in this room, definitely myself included, we want nothing more than to see us following the Lord and doing what he's asked us to do. Like, that's what we want. And so we're here to walk with you. We're here to encourage you in that and, like, say, man, whatever the Lord is speaking to you, like, we're excited about that and we want you to follow it. And praise the Lord that he's speaking to you, by the way. That's awesome. Like, if the Lord's spoken something to you, that's a privilege. Like, that's a gift that God wants to do something in your life. And if you don't have anything immediately on your mind and you're like, well, I don't know exactly what the Lord is speaking to me. One, he's revealed everything you ever need to know to live a godly life here on earth in his word. And so you have those commands. And so I'd ask you to meditate on those. But also, as you're sitting here praying, either by yourself or with someone else as you feel led, ask the Lord, like, Lord, show me what to do. Make it clear, I'm humble and I'm ready to do anything you ask me to do. And I promise you, Maybe not right at this moment, but I promise you the Lord will show up and he'll give you an answer. I can guarantee that for you, not because I have some secret knowledge or something, but because the Lord has promised that. That's who he is. And so that's my encouragement to you guys. So I'm going to pray, and then as I'm praying, if the elders and pastors can come over, and you can either spread out across the stairs or go in the corners. And if your wives want to come with you, that'd be great too. But let's pray just for the next little bit. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. God, thank you that you are the best God that we could ever ask for. I can't even imagine a better Lord than you. You are so perfect and loving and kind, and we are so undeserving of that gift. But Lord, we know that you desire to speak to us. God, that you desire to use our lives for your glory, that there's things you want to speak into each of our lives. And so, God, I just pray that as we're here seeking your face, that you would reveal those things to us. God, that you'd soften our hearts to hear. We are so stubborn at times. And so I pray that you would just work through all of that in the way that I know you can. And so, Lord, work in our hearts tonight, I pray. And if anyone's wrestling in their heart with some difficult thing you've asked them to do, I pray that you would just remind them of your love for them, your grace for them for the time that they haven't obeyed, but that this is the day that they get to choose to obey the Lord. I think of the words of Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray that we could say that about all of us here in this building, Lord, that we are obedient to Christ. And God, I know that you will do amazing and mighty things if we would just humble ourselves before you. And so God, we trust you. We trust that you are gonna do an amazing thing here in this place, in and through our lives. Be in our midst, we pray, in the mighty, all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's study. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit us for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our study together.